things. Welcome to the podcast, Love and Misery. Love and Misery is a deep dive podcast that examines famous and infamous couples throughout the ages. We're your hosts. I'm Clark Forte, and this is, of course, my lovely and talented co-host. Hi, I'm Mindy Forte. Welcome and feel free to reach out to us and let us know how we're doing. Our email address is loveandmiserypodcast at gmail.com. And now we're on Facebook. You can look me <laughs> you can look me up under Clark Forte um, and Love and Misery. Yeah. Please friend him. Yes. He'll be happy. These two would be 25 years apart in age. He ended up with a string of marriages. In fact, this woman woman didn't even like this man the first time they met, but they eventually married. She was 19 years old and very impressionable, and he was 44 and very experienced. They starred in four major release films together from 1944 to 1948 and eventually fell madly in love. If you listened to our podcast last time, then you know that we're speaking of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Also known as Bogie and Bacall. Lauren Bacall was born Betty Joan Persky, September 16, 1924, in the Bronx, New York City, the only child of Natalie Weinstein. She changed her name. She was a legal secretary, and she changed her name to her surname of Bacall, with one L, because Bacall, in Romanian, meant Weinstein. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And William Persky was the father. Who worked in sales. Yeah. You're reading over my shoulder I'm reading over your shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're pausing. (laughs) I know. Both of her pregnant pause. Yeah. Both of her parents were Jewish. Her mother immigrated from Lassie, the kingdom of Romania, through Ellis Island, which is interesting because we took the kids there Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. That's very cool. Yeah. And it was very interesting to her. Oh my gosh, right? Anyway, we're digressing already. This is going to be a long podcast. Long. Her father was born in New Jersey to parents who were born in Belarusian, which is present-day Belarus. I probably butchered that. Bacall's family moved soon after her birth to Brooklyn's Ocean Parkway. She spent her earliest years in Brooklyn. When she was five or six years old, her parents divorced, which is sad. And she and her mother relocated to Manhattan. The father would come and see her from time time and again, right? But at the age eight, her father stopped the weekly visits and remained estranged for her for the rest of her life. So she didn't have a father figure? No. At, after the age of eight? Right. That's okay. a, that's interesting thought That's there. interesting. And then see the difference in age and her husband. And Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm no psychiatrist. Well. Or psychologist. But maybe you should be. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Because give that's me, a pretty good connection. Give me a magazine there. rack for my own issues. Wow. Oh, okay. Just saying. Yeah. Go ahead. Bacall was brought up in a close knit family, extended family. In addition to her mother, Bacall was especially close to her grandmother Sophie and her aunt Renee and her uncles Charlie and Jack and their spouses. Side note: her maternal grandfather Max Weinstein had started life in America as a pushcart peddler. You know, on the street pushing and peddling his wares to whoever he could get. Okay. Quickly earned enough money to buy a small candy store in the Bronx. Awesome. Yeah. He died at the age of 55, but Sophie Weinstein 
uh, managed the candy store successfully enough to send both of her sons to City College to get law degrees. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yep. Hard work. Yeah. While a student at Julia Richmond High School, Bacall took Saturday acting classes at the New York School of the Theater. For a year after high school, she attended the American Academy of Dramatic Arts to continue her acting lessons and classes. And there she was a classmate of Kirk Douglas, who she starred in later on in a movie. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's, is that, that, do we have more information on the movie or later? I just saw it in all the movies she did. I mean, she was a working actress for a long Long time. time. Yeah. I just happened to see a a picture of Kirk Douglas standing behind her, you know, like in in an embrace. Like a promotional. Yeah. Promotional, something like that. She was there until economic circumstances forced her to find employment. While looking for work in the theater, Bacall held jobs as a model on 7th Avenue and as an usher on Broadway. She finally landed a, a few small roles, but still had to make ends meet by working as a model. This time it was for Harper's Bazaar. Which is awesome, yeah, right? A I'm lot sure. of exposure. Yeah, I saw the, the cover and it was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, she made her acting debut in Broadway on Broadway in 1942 at the age of 17 as a walk-on in a show called Johnny Two Times Four. No okay. idea what the show Never was Never heard of it. No. <laughs> but it made it to Broadway, so that's yeah. pretty good. By then, she was living with her mother at uh, 75 Bank Street. And also in 1942, she was crowned Miss uh, Greenwich Village. I didn't even know there was such a title. No, well, I, know, I didn't either. But she won it. After seeing Bacall on the cover of Harper's, Slim Hawks suggested to her producer husband, Howard, that he should invite this young woman to Hollywood for a screen test. Uh-huh. This invitation. Do you yeah. see her name is Slim? It is this, Slim. Yeah. I noticed that too. That's later. We'll talk later. Yeah. Slim. Uh, the invitation. Cool. Yeah, it was very cool. The invitation was Bacall's big break. Hawks immediately signed her to a seven-year contract with a weekly salary of $100 and personally began to manage her career. He changed her first name to Lauren, and she chose Bacall as a a variant of her mother's maiden name, Bacall, but with two L's instead of one. Okay. Okay. At Hawks' suggestion, she trained with a voice coach to make her voice lower and deeper. Which said, was kind of her trademark. That definitely was. Yeah, yeah. Very okay. sultry. So I that was hearing, his suggestion. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of low, low, sultry low voice. Sexy. Yeah. Okay. Sultry. Yeah. Instead of what she had, more of a like a regular high pitched kind of right young woman. nasally high pitched right. Because she, so she was nineteen. 19. <laughs> <laughs> she hadn't seen much of the world. She didn't know about these normal. things. Yeah. As part of her training, she was um, required to shout verses verses of Shakespeare. For hours at a day. Oh, did you? I know you just put that. In no, I did not. Shakespeare. I did not. This is true yeah, story. I know, but you could have the Shakespeare. Well, since you. I, I found to, the information. To, I put it in here. What right, do you want you me tried, to do? No, I love Shakespeare. You, I know you tried it. Nice play, <laughs> Shakespeare. She starred opposite Humphrey Bogart in her screen debut. Interesting fact that I also found out. Through her father, she was a relative of Shimon Pierce. You know who he is? No, I don't. The eighth prime minister of Israel and the ninth president of Israel. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Pretty cool. Very cool. He, when he was told this, he's like, I had no idea. When he, who's he? The prime minister and oh, the president. Oh, and he like, didn't know that he was. No, he had no idea. Yeah. He had no idea, but uh, it is, it is in fact that's true. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Let's discuss Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey DeForest Bogart was born on Christmas Day, 1899, in New York City. For Warner Brothers, this date has been disputed. Publicity, his publicity department said he was born on January 23rd, 1900. And what I was told, or what I read, is they didn't want an image of this guy being born on Christmas. You know, he's a tough guy. That's ridiculous. I'm just telling you what I heard, or what I read. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it through the, through the grapevine. Yeah. That's okay. That's ridiculous because, okay. I don't understand that one either. All right. But it they was, didn't want him. It was 1900. I mean, okay, different they didn't want times. him to be associated with a Christmas birthday? I guess they didn't. All right. Well, so, all right. Whatever. All right. Let's keep going keep here. Keep going. He had two younger sisters, Francis and Catherine Elizabeth. He was the eldest child of Belmont DeForest Bogart. Bogart's father was a cardiopulmonologist. Pulmonary. <laughs> pulmonary. Cardiopulmonary surgeon. That, thank you. Heart surgeon. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. He is. Yes. So, uh, like, very, very smart guy. Right. And Maud Humphrey was a commercial illustrator who received her art training in New York and in France. So, very educated parents. Very educated parents. The name Bogart derives from the Dutch surname Bogart. Cool. Yeah. Belmont and Maud married in June of 1898. He was a Presbyterian of English and Dutch descent and a descendant of Sarah Rapigil, who was the first <laughs> European child born in the, Nether in the New Netherlands. Wow. Okay. Uh, and so, if I was in that area of the yeah. world, it would mean a lot to me, but I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's interesting. It, it's just a, it's just no, a it's, fact. I, it's interesting. Ma and I appreciate that you bring a lot of interesting random facts. Okay. I mean, if, if this, if we're going to be on that show, um, what's the show? Random facts. Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. That or. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting, where you're going with this. Then we would. We would be like probably potential winners. Yeah. Okay. Maud was an English was of English heritage, a descendant of Mayflower passenger John Howland. Now that I that's interesting. Yes, to be that you can directly relate a specific name to the Mayflower. That's yeah. neat. Mm -hmm. I also read on one website that Bogart was a descendant of Edward the First, one of the first kings. He was also known as Edward Longshanks and the Hammer of Scots. And he was the King of England from 1272 to 1307. That's impressive. Wow. So he had some significant he yeah, had some lineage, line, right? Yeah. His mother told offspring to call her Maud instead of mother and showed little, if any, physical affection for them. Well, Which that's is, sad. Again, I, we say this a lot on this podcast, right. but different times. No, no, no. Yeah. Different times where well, a mother doesn't want to show affection. Okay. Here's a quote. I mean, not different times, but different crappy times. I agree. So here's a quote from Bogart. When she was pleased, she would clap you on the shoulder, almost like a man does. 
He also said, I was brought up very unsentimentally, but very straightforward. A kiss in our family was an event. Wow. It's kind of sad, right? Yes. He continues by saying, our mother and father didn't glug over my two sisters and me. Glug meaning like didn't fawn yeah, over them. I didn't them, fawn didn't... over them. No. Yeah. Okay. So young and restless and unaware of what to make of his life, Bogart enlisted in the U.S. Navy only weeks after his dismissal from school. So I, right after high school, I would assume. Okay. He fought in World War I. He recalled thinking at the time, war is great stuff. Paris, girls, French girls, hot damn. <laughs> the war was a big joke. Death? What does death mean to a kid of 18? That was another quote. Okay. Perhaps his most notable. He developed a scar that he, when he was there, that's a, the extent of his injuries, right? He got a scar that he requ uh, acquired above the right corner of his lip that would later become a defining feature of this tough guy appearance. How did he get the scar? Funny you should ask. He got the scar while escorting a handcuffed prisoner. The prisoner asked him for a cigarette, and when Bogart reached in his pocket for a match, the prisoner smashed him in the face with his handcuffs and attempt attempted unsuccessfully to flee. Yikes. Yeah. So that's how the scar got there. Okay. Bogart was honorably discharged from the Navy in 1919 and once again faced the question of what to make of his life. A year later, he met an, a stage actress named Alice Brady, who joined him at a job as a company manager of a touring production of The Ruined Lady. A year later in 1921, he made his stage debut as a Japanese waiter in a production of a play called Drifting. So wait, he was a Japanese waiter? Apparently he dressed up like a Japanese waiter. He had one line okay. and uttered his best attempt at a Japanese accent was drinks for my lady and for most honored guests. That would not fly very well nowadays. Uh, it, just saying, but okay. No, it wouldn't. Okay. But, you know, I, I... That was his first line. You know, I'm I not going to yeah. put any judgment for no, now, but... No judgment zone. Not great. Well, you got to remember, Yul Brenner they... in The King and I, he was yes. not... He was the King of Siam, right? It was his Asia, you know, part, right. of, part of Asia. And he, was, he was not... He was a white guy. Asian, yeah. No. Okay. Well, I'm glad things have changed. Things have changed oh. for the better. Despite his son's minuscule role, upon seeing the show for the first time, Bogart's father leaned over and whispered to the person next to him, this boy's good, isn't he? See, that's nice, right? Yeah. You're always, it's great that, if you're, that you're proud of your kids. Absolutely. That little taste of life on stage was enough for Bogart to resolve to become an actor. And for more than a decade, he struggled to get his acting career off the ground, landing only minor roles in shows such as a show called Nerves, and a show called The Skyrocket. Then, finally, in 1934, Bogart delivered his breakthrough performance in Robert Sherwood's The Petrified Forest. Never, I, I never saw it. Never saw it. Well, I should have done. I should have done that for part of my research. Well, I, I can saw tell the you, one movie, but yeah. we'll talk about that later. Well, I can tell you a little bit about it. He portrayed Duke Matt Manti, an escape killer, and was so fully embodied in the role of the villain, his stooped posture, dangling hands, and dead stare, the audience reportedly let out gasps of horror the first time he walked on stage. Wow. That's not bad. Yeah. 
After delivering an equally riveting performance in the film adaptation of The Petrified Forest two years later, Bogart carved out a niche as one of Hollywood's go-to actors to play criminals. So he was typecast of typecast. Like, kind of a, like a bad guy. Yeah. But that's what they kind of were yeah. shaping his career as the tough guy or whatever you want to say. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so he had early roles as uh, a gangster and in crime films, including The Great O'Malley in 1937, Dead End in 1937, Crime School. I don't know what that's going to be about. Probably going to school to learn crimes. <laughs> <Guess> so. <laughs> in 1938, and King of I the Underworld. I got a degree from crime school. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the King, King of the Underworld in 1939. Honors. Yes. Honors. I have honors in crime school. Yeah. Well. I mean, I don't. That'd be kind of nice. That'd be a nice degree to hang on. The wall. I mean, right? Why not? Yeah, I'd put it in my office. <laughs> Okay. Impress your friends. Skipping forward. Keep going. Sorry. I'm, yeah. I the role, Yes. The role of Sam Spade in the Maltese Falcon made him an interesting character actor. And then Casablanca made him a star the same year. Yeah. 1942. Yep. No doubt. Now let's talk about their life together. Film stars Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall shared an iconic romance and happy, albeit short-lived marriage. They achieved this despite a 25-year age difference, like I had said before, yep. and a track record of failed marriages, like we had said before. On his side. Yeah. And her decision to put her career on hold in order to focus on the relationship. No matter the bumps along the way, Bacall was right when she wrote in her memoir, no one has written a romance better than we've lived. Oh. That's touching. I love that. No, you... No one has written a romance better than we lived it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you have to get it right. I didn't say the it part. It. But I mean, yeah. it's, yes. And and since I read this part also, because <laughs> I love uh, this romance stuff, I yeah. love this, right? Yeah, this is a good part. That, yeah, that she said there was no lightning bolt when she first met Bogart. Mm-mm. So it wasn't like, oh, for love at first sight. It kind of grew, right? Yeah. Their relationship grew. But anyway, so now I'll let, let you go back to when she first arrived in Hollywood, a 19-year-old Bacall wasn't a big fan of the movie star Bogart. At one point, director Howard Hawks told her he was thinking of putting her in the movie with either Bogart or Cary Grant. And her reaction was, and I quote, I thought, ooh, Cary Grant, terrific. Humphrey Bogart, yuck. Well, I understand that. Yeah. Because Cary Grant was dreamy. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that would be my pick. For sure. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Hawks introduced Bacall to a 43-year-old Bogart in 1943. And she again says, there was no clap of thunder. She later wrote about the encounter. However, she was excited when Hawks cast her in her first role opposite Bogart in To Have and To Have Not. Right. Which is my research. I watched that movie. Yeah. We watched it together. Yes. I know. It was pretty... I mean... Uh, you was, weren't a big fan I, I, of it. No, I thought it would be better. This was 1943. I thought it would be better. I mean, it was fine and it, it gave me fine. an idea and whatever, yeah. but I really thought it would be like, I thought I would feel more of their like heat and romance, but yeah. I didn't feel it as much. Okay. I well, mean, it built throughout the movie, but yeah. I just, eh, it wasn't. Didn't do it for you. Eh, didn't do it for me. A few weeks before production started, Bogart told her, 
We'll have a lot of fun together. On the first day of shooting, she kept shaking, and he told her to tuck her chin down to hide it, to hide the shaking, forcing her to look up at him in what became her famous look. You know, that sultry That's look. cool. Yeah. The That's really interesting how that came about then. Yeah. And he was trying to help her because she I'm sure she was nervous as heck. Oh, yeah. She's 19, 19 years old. I can't even imagine. Yeah, major. Yep. Can't even imagine. The duo quickly became friends. And as the film was shot uh, uniquely in a chronological order. Which is not the usual. Not, not always the usual. Right. It captured the blossoming connection between them. Now, I don't know about you. I saw them getting a little more... Uh, friendly with each other, you know, kind of comfortable with each other on screen, but it's very subtle. It was uh, that's what I thought. It was very yeah. When I read this, I thought, oh, I'm going to see a real big A to B, but it was it was very subtle. Yeah, I agree. Leonard Malton, a film historian, told Vanity Fair in an, in an interview, and I quote: "It's one of these instances where it's quite possible that we are eyewitnesses to an actor and actress falling in love." Oh, yeah, on screen romance, right? But again, I didn't see it, but I, I mean, I watched it once. Right? right. And I wasn't really. You weren't really looking for those subtleties. You're lo exactly. watching the Just show watch and you're yes. watching the, the story play yeah. out and everything yeah. else. Oh, maybe I'll watch it again. Maybe you should watch it okay. again. Malin also said, while good actors make us believe that all the time, there has to be some extra kick when it's real. Mm. You know, so that's right. what he believed. He believed Bogey and Bacall's chemistry was so strong on set that the film, which was originally set to have had Bogart's character romancing another woman, was changed to have him fall in love with Bacall's. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now that's cool. Yeah. And then Bacall said in 2007, in a 2007 interview, chemistry, you can't beat chemistry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And well, now is the whole point of their, I mean, their relationship. They had chemistry quickly. They ended up, well, you'll get more into their yeah. Actual romantic life. Their <laughs> yeah. real life. So sorry. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. They had they, a lot of chemistry. Well, they got married. So well, I know, but people they know had, that already. But it wasn't just an easy, like, oh, let's get married since it was kind of already married. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Just three weeks into filming, the pair shared their first kiss uh, in Bacall's dressing room the day before. Um, he later asked for her phone number which she famously scribbled on the back of a matchbook. You know, people used to have those uh -huh. little matchbooks and, you know. Speaking of matchbooks, there was a ton of smoking in that movie. Oh yeah. Everyone every smoked scene, all every... the time. <laughs> That's right. I yeah, mean, the tobacco companies must be like, I love that movie. Oh. Hardcore yeah. smoking, smoking. And I think smoking. they were both smokers. That's another thing they had in okay. common. Okay. Well, there was everyone in that movie seemed to be like, yeah, you know, lighting, up. lighting it up. Yeah. Okay. Side note. Go ahead. In 1997, Bacall told Parade Magazine, from then on, I would get phone calls, occasionally at 3 a.m., and my mother used to say, where do you think you're going, to, you're going so early in the morning? That man, he's a married man. I would say the same thing to my daughter. Yeah. Heck yes. Right? Yeah. Because right now, you know, you would call a 3 a.m. call? Booty call? Correct. <laughs> Let's try not to keep... You know, keep it clean. Keep it not so blue. Let's keep it clean. The romance looked set to start in earnest then. The only problem, of course, was Bogart's wife. Which, don't say it's a problem. I mean, that's that's mm. a... Okay, go ahead. 
On to his third marriage at the time, Bogart had been with actress Mayo Methot since 1938. Their relationship was anything but happy. Of course, we've seen this combination before. Heavy drinking and vicious arguments punctuated their years together. And in 1942, Methot even stabbed him in a fit of rage. She sounds nice. pleasant. What? Their relationship sounds Do you, pleasant. I, don't blame it on I'm her. I'm not blaming it he on her. He probably did something. I mean, I'm not saying you should no. stab someone, but he was, you know, going well, around a with a younger rage. woman. Yeah, because maybe because he was had a younger girlfriend. Yeah, I'm sure she knew about it. In fact, uh, yeah, she did I'm know sure about she, it. And there's some stuff that I'm not going to put in here because there, it's a little too blue. Yeah. Ish. Okay. Keep it clean. So don't blame. So don't I'm not put the blaming, blame on her. I'm not blaming Mayo. Takes two it's to. A great, great name, by yeah, the way. Takes two to whatever. Go ahead. She wasn't the kind of woman anyone wanted to cross, let alone the 19-year-old Bacall. Apparently not. I wouldn't want to get shanked by this lady. You Yet know, she... I still feel like you're on the side of him. But okay, okay. go ahead. Keep you going. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Shaking my head. I know you're shaking your head. No one can see us. Okay, great. Keep going. Yet she wouldn't be dissuaded from seeing Bogart, and they began meeting in secret in cars at a local golf course nearby where they were filming. They even used their on-screen names, Steve and Slim, to disguise their identities. So Howard Hawks, the director of To Have and To Have Not, mm-hmm. used his wife's nickname, Slim, as her character's, her character's name. And then they use them to they, keep everything they, on the DL. They use them throughout uh-huh. their, their years, I believe. Yeah. He called her Slim a lot. But their secret affair was tied to the film. And in May of 1944, shooting wrapped and Bacall and Bogart were forced to part. And I quote, and I quote, this is a quote from, from Bogart. I know what was meant by to say goodbye is to die a little. Not not long after they separated, he wrote her a note okay. with that saying on it. He also continued by saying, because when I walked away from you that last time and saw you standing there so darling, I did die a little in my heart. That is sad. Yeah. But you could tell he really cared for yeah. her and he was probably in love with her at that point. Mm-hmm. In the months fo- that followed, Bogart uh, returned to his marriage with uh, Methot. But by the end of the year, he was reunited with Bacall on the set of their second movie, The Big Sleep. This was the second of four movies that they starred in together, as we said at the top. Uh, the other two were Dark Passage and Key Largo. Uh, Key Largo, that's... I, I, and I'm not going to do it You're now. not going to sing? No. Here's looking at you, kid. There is a the cheesiest song, but it's so nice, but it's cheesy. It is called Key Largo. Yep. And the uh, the guy who sings it was is Bertie Higgins. I had to write yeah. it down. And that song is from 1982. And it was a big hit for him. I think it was his one hit wonder. Um, Sailing away to Key Largo. You've got, you've got to look up the video because it is awesome. There's is a, First of all, there's lots of smoking also. Great. Um, there's lots of low cut shirts on the dude. On the guys. On the guy. On the women. No, oh, no, really on the guy. Yeah. And uh, it's super cheesy, and I it's I love it, though. Oh, he has a nice mullet as well. He has a mullet. Very good. But not a 
huge mullet. Just a, like a like a well-trimmed mullet. Oh, well, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, so it's good. Yeah, so anyway, I recommend looking that up. Bogey tried to stay faithful to his third wife, but couldn't. And after a few failed attempts to leave her, he finally divorced on May 10th, 1945. And we've done this before. Blowing on the divorce, <laughs> divorce papers. papers. He was blowing on the ink. Oh, dry, dry. So that he could get married. I mean, that's right. it's kind of funny, but not, right? Not well, to, okay. Not but, to okay. the person that got you divorced. Not, right? not judging. Again, so really, just 11 okay. days after, right. on May 21st, uh, Jeez. he married Bacall. Yep. And um, Bacall later noted, when Bogey and I were married, the Hollywood gloom set shook their collective heads and moaned, it won't last. We knew better. What the catastrophe anticipators didn't consider was that the Bogarts were in love. Oh, yeah. Nice. They were in love. I mean, their journey to get there, I think, probably caused a lot of hurt. Sure. However, they were in love and they had two children together, right? They did. I was yeah. just going to get to that. Okay. So they had two children together. Uh, a son that he called Stephen, named after that character in that first movie, uh -huh. his character, um, in 1949, uh, and a daughter, Leslie, in 1952. Nice. Yeah. And like I had told you before, Bacall took a backseat to him for a number of years, resulting in an Academy Award for Best Actor, actor for Bogart's role in the 1951 film, The African Queen. Yeah, so that was, uh, she was, I mean, she played quite a role as a, as a backseat, you know, spouse. Yeah, she held, held the family together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely she did. Um, and B Bacall had no regrets about her decisions. She once told The Guardian, and I quote, if I just, if I had just my career, I would have missed out on Bogey, on my children, and on my very substance of life. I like that. Right, yeah. because your career is not necessarily you, right? Right. And I think uh, it really showed that that's what she wanted. She wanted love. She wanted a family. Yep. And obviously, he had a career because you have to. Somebody has to make money, that's right? right. Yes. So you can't just live on love. Can't live on love. And uh, so that 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 is nice. Yeah. Um, in a later interview, she said, "Thank God I put my marriage first because it didn't last too long." Which yeah, leads he, into the misery, right? Yeah, here's the correct. So Bogart was diagnosed with cancer of the esophagus in 1956. He underwent surgery but remained very ill with Bacall taking care of him. And on January 14th, 1957, he died. And Bacall became a widow at the young age of 32. Yeah, that's that's very sad. And, you know, we talked about the smoking. We kind of joked about it, but it's no joke, right? That's right. really that was probably the, the root reason. cause yeah. of. Didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help. She would later marry, though. She she later married. Well, she was only 32. So yeah. I'm thinking she married Jason Robarts. So for people that know, uh, Jason Robarts was in a ton of movies in his younger years. Oh, and as he got older, he okay. uh, transitioned to the small screen in a little TV show called The A-Team. With, <laughs> That's right. With Mr. T. Oh, yes. I pity the fool. He was the guy that was I the like mastermind that. behind it. And he would, yeah. at, at, at the end of every episode, when they that was a good caught show. the bad guy or they did what they were going to do or whatever, he would say, 
I love it when a plan comes together. That's right. Right? Bacall was named the 20th greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema by the American Film Institute and received an Academy Honorary Award from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences in 2009 for recognition of her contribution to the golden age of motion pictures. Well, and she also had some other awards that you're not touching on. Well. um, Because she continued to act. Yes. And she won two Tony Awards on Broadway. Yeah, on Broadway. For musicals, um, one called Applause in Mm -hmm. 1970, and then one Women of the Year in 81, 1981. And she also won a Golden Globe in 1996. Wow. And for The Mirror Has Two Faces. Oh, that's right. And she was fourth. So she won the Golden Globe and she was nominated for an Academy Award for that same role. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. So that was later was, in her life. Yep. Right. So she kept acting and that was her passion, right? Besides her family. Right. Do you want to go through some more um, bear names? Oh, <laughs> so last time. Yeah, I do. Okay. So our last podcast, if you were listening, which we hope you were, we discussed how um, my mom loved uh, bears. Yes, you she know. Did. Yep. And there's this um, company called North American Bear Company, and they make shout out to North American. Shout Bear out, company. even though we get we get no residuals from them, but honestly, <laughs> we get nothing from them except for some freaking good laughter. Yes. Okay. So, so um, hit me with what you got. I'll hit you with yes. So of course we have they make, and my mom had. A well, we still have it, of course, because we're not going to get rid of this. We had a, a Lauren Bear call, Bear. Yep. And super cute. Now we don't have this, but I may have to you have look to buy f- it now. May have to find it on eBay. Um, Humphrey, Humphrey Beargart, Beargart. Yes. right? And uh, my mom's favorite was Scarlet O'Barilla, which is she's she's a nice bear. Don't get me wrong. And then there's a couple <laughs> really good ones. Uh, Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth. She has that. Very one. nice. And now this, I should have brought up in one of our other podcasts. I found this on the um, their site, the North yes. American Bear Company. <laughs> Barie Antoinette. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah. Barie Antoinette had her head pre, still. Pre, pre-head chop pre, off. Yes, pre, okay. yeah. Because uh, that would be not a good bear. You know, give it to a child. Oh, here you go. Here here's you go. Barie here's Antoinette. Barie Antoinette. And, and here's, here's her, her head. head. Yes. So we, no. Uh, this was full on, you know, set all cute and okay, nice, cute and cuddly. And then um, one of the last bears that I think you would really like because all you you just try to bring it in every podcast yeah. is William Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even say it with a straight face. William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. Yeah. Right. Well, he has some far-reaching, you know, far-reaching with his paws. Well, not only that, but with his writing, <laughs> he was. A, I don't know if you knew this, but he was a pretty good playwright. I, I I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, cool. okay. So there's our shout out for the bears. Okay. Um, because they're fun. Yeah. And why not? Because you know we're goofballs. That's right. All right. So now we need to talk about what we're gonna do for our next well, podcast. So that is Hello? the story of Humphrey yes. Bogart. I'm sorry, hum- Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Yes, and the love and the misery. That's right. So it seems like they go together. They seem to time and time again. Yeah. So we'll continue our series next time with King. Muhammad the sixth and Princess Lala Salman. The also ghost known as Princess. The ghost Princess. And we need to give a shout out to Marcy. Oh yes. Yes. Who Our gave friend, us Miss Marcy? Yes. Who gave us the idea? That's a good couple. This is an interesting one, and I'm looking forward to doing some research on them. Cool. 
very much. Cool. So um, please, as always, please subscribe and rate our podcast and tell your friends if you like it. Um, feel yeah, free to give us tell your friends. feedback um, at Love and Misery Podcast. Even if you don't like it, tell your friends. Say you can get a kick out of listening to these knuckleheads. Yeah. That's us. Okay. Love and Misery <laughs> Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And now you can find us on Facebook under Clark Forte. Spread the word. Thank you for listening. I want to give out some acknowledgments okay. to uh, back to goldendays.blogspot.com. Of course, our friend wikipedia.com, jwa.org, honey.9.com.au, and biography.com. Oh, also maybe to the North American Bear Company. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Again, we're not getting any money from it. But no. you know what? If someone listens, maybe we'll get a bear. Maybe we'll get Humphrey Bear Guard. Right? Oh, my God. We should do it. We should send him a note. Okay. Listen Let's to our podcast. Okay. Anyway, please subscribe, and we hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Oh, and wear your masks, Arizona. Oh, wear your... Oh, outed us. Wear your masks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>